right, so thank you, Micah, for joining us on our journey of voices. Thanks for having me. But before we get too much into this, let Kamar take it off. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, my sister. So start us off with where you're from okay. and what it was like growing up there. Um, so I'm from Rwanda in Kigali. It's mm. very small population of 12 million right now <laughs> and so growing up it was very different because you know what influences you is mainly your family your neighbors and school so it was uh, it was it was interesting because I went to a very pub, a private school that was like military style mm. and so <laughs> it's very renowned in Kigali if you say oh I'm from KPS they're like oh no were you been to death you know kind of thing oh. it's very strict okay. so you study from 6 a.m. to 7 so I think looking back now it was perfect if I came to Canada because it taught me a lot of work ethic you know mm. and how to work hard so yeah, mm. yeah. And, and what kind of how did you know when you went to the private school for most of your young for your young life, right? But what kind of rigid attitudes or routines do people kind of you know associate with going to that private school? Uh, strict, smart. Mm. Uh, I was known as the school of no dummies. Basically, no mm. one could really survive this school. But it was in between because if your parents could not afford to take you to the private private school, then you know that was the middle of it all. So if you could not go to public school, this was like the main. And so lots of homework, lots of studying, mm. like Monday to Saturday, really. Mm. And so it was one of the best uh, school known to like five top students always came from that school. Okay. So it was interesting because in a way, everybody's treated the same, you're getting spanked. <laughs> <laughs> but you know it seemed like normal because it's just the world you are accustomed to mm. but yeah and, and, and did you notice because you know my thing as well um, is I realized when, when Drake talks about his his prep school experience and you know yeah. a couple of my friends from SME you know they went to grammar private schools right and I'm, I'm realizing you know it just kind of dawned on me a couple of years ago I said the culture is the environment is very different when you go to public schools, you know, and in private schools. So did you kind of hang out? Did you have some friends that went to public schools and did you get a no. taste of both environments or no? No, actually in my country, in Rwanda, if you go to public school, it's public school. Mm. Uh, if you go to private school, it's funny because you're seen as the dumb kid on the perspective okay. of public schools. So if you say you go to a private school, it's like, oh, hey, not only sure you come from money, but you're just not too smart enough to fit in the public school category. It's very different mm -hmm. than here. Yeah. So now I'm curious because speaking about that, there's a lot of expectations. Yeah. Um, you're talking a lot about kind of the, the cultural aspect and yeah. you know how the, the youth would even talk to each other about it. And I'm curious, so were your parents, at the same private school, different private school, or were they at public school? I come from the generation after the genocide in my country. So we've had our parents either were, like at least speaking on my perspective of my parents, is they did not get the privilege to go to school because of the whole oppression of the whole ethnicity genocide. But uh, so we went, they were putting me in English school because they were like, oh, this is the future. English mm -hmm. is the future, right? So I was trying to stay away from the French influence so if 
I only knew people from pub, private school, really, right? And that was the school you, you stick to. Mm. So even other private schools, you don't speak to them because mm. you're like, oh no, you be, it's different wherever wow. you go. So I had a private school friend of mine who went to Green Hills and that was like where the president's child went. So you cannot talk to those people because they're simply not spanked or mm. they don't go to class eight hours a day. So you can't really relate, but it's all the same. Education. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very serious. So, okay, yeah. interesting. And then, you know, coming back to yeah. some of the influences that you mentioned uh, in the beginning of the end from the interview here is your family and the community, right? So, how do you feel that kind of influenced you? I've always believed, you know, because I've seen poor, I've seen rich, I've seen the middle, you know, I have the privilege to say I've lived both worlds. So, at some point, you're focused on education because I was also influenced by Hollywood. You know, sometimes watching TV, you're like, oh man, one day I'll see Denzel Washington, but he's from America, so that's the land of opportunity, so you focus on school. So that's where I put all my energy growing up, is reading, and so I feel like I only talk to family when, when it was asking for a little money for bubblegum. But it was great because it's very collectivistic, you can rely on your neighbor, you can't really starve because it's a different world, you know. Hmm. Yeah. Bring us bring us into that. Yeah, world because for, a for example when I moved to Canada I realized, you know, uh, you have to pay your bills. You just gotta pay for food. <laughs> if not you're gonna go on an empty stomach. But back home it's collectivistic. You can rely on your grandmother, your neighbor, you can go to certain places that it makes you feel um, like just the identity is different, you don't question a lot. Mm. And that's just the perspective of, you know, as a, as a child, not even as a teenager, as an adult. Seeing America or seeing what your studies are like, right, you're talking and I'm getting the sense of like, you know, very tunnel vision, very focused. Um, what was that like? Because Rwanda is a, a long stretch, it's a, it's a journey away from Nova Scotia, different culture, different society, different beliefs and ideals. How did you find your way here? When I first moved here, I was really excited because I was like, oh my goodness, you know, I thought America and Canada and Europe was all the same, but it's different obviously. But I moved and I settled in Alberta and it was cold, it was awful. But one of the things I noticed quickly is when I would visit stores or go to Tim Hortons or go to school, is I would be touched a lot. My hair, all the people would just touch my hair and I was like, what's going on? And so and, uh, I remember a student asked me where I'm from and I, at the time I, I, I was living in Kenya before I moved here. I said, oh, I just came from Kenya and he's like, oh my goodness. Uh, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I was like, why are you saying sorry? But of course, it's the narrative that you see on TV all the time. And then I was like, okay, I got you. I'm like, it's okay. I, <laughs> I'm not coming from the huts. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> but yeah, and I remember going to Tim Horton's line and this woman was staring at me. And so I looked at my dad, I asked him, do I look funny? He's like, no, why? I was like, that woman is staring at me. So she approached me and she was like, oh, I'm really fascinated by your hair. Can I touch it? And I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. Which is very interesting because back home, as she came, it would be 
us touching our hair or whatever. So it, it, was, uh, it was very different uh, identity-wise. It was hard. It was hard because uh, living in Sherwood Park, really, there weren't so many people of my color that I could relate to other than my family members. And at some point, you realize it becomes very small and it's just family, but not a community as a whole. So that was a challenge that eventually moved to Nova Scotia. And uh, I remember being in a car with my brother. We're like, oh my gosh, I just saw a black person. <laughs> 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 and started playing these games like, sure, I see one of ours. Hey, and, uh, wow. and so it was very, it was, it was nice to move here. And I'm so glad that I ended up in Nova Scotia. How long ago? Was it that you touched down in Alberta and were just trying to get it the... It was about uh, 10 years now. So 10 yeah, years? It's been 10 years. And so Alberta and my family, of course, my dad's work, we moved around in different provinces. So it was the same story within the West, you know, of Canada. But I really truly felt home when I came here and not really being is I could see more people of... Mm -hmm. Of color, people I could relate to, immigrants that you know we could talk about things like this, especially youth, because a lot of youth, you just come in here and you're told what to do, and you don't get to figure out your identity, right? And so, um, but every day is a journey to learn that. So, yeah. So much. Yeah. And yeah. what you just said. Um, so along the journey. Um, what would you say, I mean, obviously you made a bunch of transitions, but you know, yeah. what would you say are some of your strongholds that got you back, got you past some of your biggest setbacks? Holding up to my identity. Um, not only that, obviously, being here, I realized it doesn't matter if you're coming from Africa, Caribbean, Calgary, Jamaica, you're just simply a person of color, right? And so, but you still have to, I, I'm not naive enough or unrealistic to notice there is differences between, you know, certain culture, even of one community, you know, there's different traditions. Mm. And so I wanted to really remember my language, you know, which is something I had forgotten. And I realized one day when I came to SMU, I started at SMU, I met a group of girls from my country and I realized I could not have a conversation with them. And that really saddened me because I had forgotten so much because I was focused, you know, English is the language that I must learn in order to get far in life, you know, and uh, that's all you see on the TV's home, that's if what you come here is what you're pretty much brainwashed to think. And you realize language and being able to have laughter with people you're from the community is so important, you know? And so to me, how I really, um, that was your question. I decided to get involved in the African Nova Scotian community, get involved in the African community and talk to people. And then I visited home as well. And so I came back and I could speak my language. So that really made me happy. And um, so I hope to pass that on to my brother, you know, like, because uh, I do see it's difficult. It's complicated because even home you're told English, French, English, but you know, you don't take the, you uh, don't, uh, what's the word? You really underestimate how easily you can easily lose your identity if you're influenced by the majority of people surrounding you. 
And so coming here with that, um, because coming from a community sense, right, Western culture is very different in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, we're very kind of siloed. Yeah. Uh, and, and as you're, you're touching on a lot of ways, right? The black communities are different, right? They're bigger. Yes. Um, Nova Scotia is a very different dynamic than Rwanda in that sense. So what was that coming like, you know, in, in a sense of even in Alberta, maybe there weren't as many black people. So coming to Nova Scotia felt more warm or welcoming. But that's a big transition. Oh, yes. You know, and, and refinding and, and reshaping your identity and that. Like, what was yes. that kind of like? It was very difficult, is one word that I could really use. It was heartbreaking. It was lonely. Um, it was lonely, not just even Canadians themselves or to themselves, very individualistic, on your own type of environment. And so I thought when I came and I started to see people of, you know, I went to high school here, so, but I even realized then I could not pinpoint one black friend that I had coming from this community. So I started asking myself, why is that, you know? And so years before we moved here, I remember being on the street and there was an incident happening and there was a policewoman and she told me, man, my brother, you know, have you heard of back home? And I said, where's back home? Like in my country, she's like, no, and uh, up home. It's like, be careful if anybody ever took you there. And I was like, so confused in a while, for a bit. But my whole point is, is even us as Africans, we have a completely negative perspective. That's the reality of black Canadians or black communities within the America. Because simply coming from Hollywood, because you know that's your downtime. But also I noticed that black Canadians I was talking to in high school had also a negative um, perspective on me as an African because of what they've been watching, you know, what the media advertises us Africans to be, you know. And so you found there was uh, each, and then eventually I was like, okay, if I feel like these people feel superior over me because they feel bad for me, what's the point, you know? And then eventually I realized, no, it's not that, it's just not knowing our history. So it was me who did not know the history of uh, black communities. So now it's important for me to discover, you know? Mm -hmm. And still today I'm really striving to discover more. But again, like you said, that's not the message we're given. We're not told yeah. to search for our history or look for those kind of things. So I'm just, you sound very passionate about the history and about even yourself. You know, you wanted to relearn your language and make sure you had that. Mm -hmm. um, being a part of the African yeah. Nova Scotian or African American community yeah. here. And I'm just curious, where does some of that passion come from? Because you were focused the whole time <laughs> in school as well, right? But your passion is just coming through in so many different ways. So I'm yes. curious to hear a little bit more about that. I think my passion comes from the fact that I have passion of reading. <laughs> I really love to read and I love to go out there and experience what, you know, I, um, I think I want to carry on in life. So I've read a lot of books in the history and I've talked to a lot of prominent figures here like Elle Jones and um, Lean Jones, like very interesting people that, you know, they their families have lived through the experience in our history and those are the best, you know, those are the best books to read pretty much. And so um, 
and the fact that I think once you learn more about your history, because all the time it's it's the other side teaching our history, and I I absolutely think that shouldn't be the case um, because we are supposed to teach our we should, we should know our history, you know. Because mm -hmm. if I know it, I can pass it on to my brother, I can pass it on to my ch a child, and so I realize in the more I read and the more I learned the angry and frustrated I became. And so I was like, how do I not turn that into a negative thing, but also not just completely ignore, you know, what I'm feeling inside. Um, and so then I, I was like, you know, just keep attending lectures and uh, meditate just so you can <laughs> find your peace. And, uh, and I also learned to take care of myself. Um, I really believe in taking care of your mind and body. And so that really helped. But uh, the passion, I don't know, it just, I don't know, it just came out and uh, it seems uncontrollable at some times because I feel like you cannot do much of a change as one mm. person. Uh, but it's also, it's been difficult to find people who are thinking the same and who have goals and have visions and imagination it's very important because it's free <laughs> imagination is very free and so and not just people of uh, who have just those passions and imaginations but people you can truly relate to people who walk in the shoes that you do in everyday life whether it's work whether it's school how you see you know and uh, so yeah, and I had a very, uh, and my family has pushed me, you know, my brother, we can sit down and have these conversations, and I'm very proud of him. Um, and yeah, and so in high school as well, I had a, an amazing guidance counselor, and so she always realized uh, I was like a fire mm. inside. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's really the community and just myself going out there, you know, like realizing my potential that I can uh, make a difference, not in the community first, but myself first. You know, if I learn and I know, then I can be able to translate that to everybody else around me. You know, not from there and then to you. You know, mm -hmm. it starts here. So, yeah. <laughs> and I honestly, I, and keeping it real, I'm, I'm very happy yeah. you said that because that's exactly how I was feeling this past week as well. Yeah. You know, with it being Black History Month, and that's almost being phased out completely, right? Yeah. And, I mean, what have you seen? Well, I mean, but we need to come together, right? So you're talking about different Black communities, and my thing is, you know, we don't need people telling us how to fix issues in our neighborhoods, right? Just like how, you know, it's similar with another minority group, indigenous people, same way, you know what I mean? Well, we know what's right for you guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so what is a way do you think um, that we as a community can start to come together so we can understand each other, understand our history, and start almost self-governing our communities to prosper? A lot of the times, like you just said, we don't need other people coming from the outside to fix our problem. And one thing that the other side has to realize, and ourselves, is that we do not need people fixing the problems they create. And in that, it's just the love and respect and the equality is all you can give to us. The rest, I think, is important for us 
you know, in our communities, you know, as black people, wherever you come from, to start learning your history, you know, start being proud of your history, you know, because there's up and downs, you know, and uh, and and don't rely on a person <laughs> of the other side to teach you, oh, hey, this was slavery, hey, this was colonization, but you don't know, you know, because a lot of the times, from my country, it's what's happening, you know, you're being taught colonization is a good thing. Hello, you, you will, you will nod to that if you don't really know your history, right? And so it's, we have to start, for us to really get together, I think is, um, learning to to self-love that is going to be very important because uh for a long time we know if you're dehumanized for a long time you lose that piece of you that you know really loves yourself and so once you gain that i think whether it could be mental health whether it could be justice or whatever you know you need to really love yourself and then not compete not envy with one another because we just no going to succeed, you know, because that was the whole purpose of us being scattered everywhere, is divide and you conquer. So if you let that get to us, and, and, and sometimes I feel angry because I'm like, you know, we know this. We've been taught this message over and over again. Every lecture you go to, somebody's so passionate is what you hear. But I think what's lacking is it's our voices mm -hmm. that should be talking about this within our people, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's really... You're hitting on, I mean, literally in everything you say, and I'm just curious because, you know, you're talking about that self-love. Yes. Which, and you, you spoke to your personal journey of self-care as well yes. in terms of um, moving through all that, moving through the noise, moving through the distractions and the confusion and, yeah. and those things. And for everyone else watching and listening, <laughs> honestly, no, but for you, what are some words you'd give them to take that next step? Because exploring your history is a big, is a yes. big thing. And self-care and love, that's a big thing. So what advice would you give for people to take, you know, for our people and everyone else watching to take that next step? I felt very broken when I moved here um, for a long time and I realized I have to just have my priorities straight, not on the standards of other people, but my own standards. And so definitely eating healthy and some yoga here and there. Just take care of yourself and uh, start to really see much more positivity in your surroundings. And so to move forward is to slowly open up your mind because if you are closed-minded and you're stuck in one box, then I hate to break it to you, you're not getting anywhere, <laughs> right? And you're gonna realize you just have a small group of people surrounding you that think the same, narrow-minded. Mm -hmm. So uh, opening up more, you know, is especially with our community, I would like for it to be just more than history, embracing people's sexualities, embracing people's uh, mental health, um, and just things that we are taught not to talk about or taught you shouldn't do this, you're only meant to do certain things, like that's just bullshit, sorry for my language, but oh, it's really, yeah, you, you have to realize you are the key to unlocking your potential. Yeah. So, and every day is going to be something new, you know? If every day was a new, there would be no point to wake up, at least for me. I'll just be like, oh, well, 
it just stay home in Netflix. <laughs> but um, you know, but you know, every day is new, and you fail, you get up, you learn. Just don't think you know it all. So in yeah. that, and I just want to bring the message home even more. So for for everyone else, because you're what you're saying is is hitting home in a big way. Um, you know, and you spoke about your passion for for reading, yeah. um, and I'm curious. <laughs> what the other side looked like. Did you journal at all? Were you into writing in terms of outlets? The reading, but the other side for yourself, please. Um, I think I definitely put my energy in uh, a few things, one of them being music. I love to songwrite when I can, and I grabbed an instrument. I started learning guitar, and uh, so and I started teaching ukulele and other things. Um, so yeah, that's where I, I wrote, but a lot of the times I just talk to myself, I'm like, okay, you know, because I feel like with the frustration, you just need to speak, you know, mm -hmm. need to speak and not hold it in, you know? <laughs> Go into that a little bit more. Go into that a little bit more. Staying away from me. Staying away from me. It's been a journey itself, you know, I remember, I think I was like 14, I just woke up and I said, this is it. This is it, and uh, my parents look at me like, "What's going on with you? Are you okay?" And I'm like, you know, and that's when I really started getting in touch with myself and my body, you know. On uh, and I realized it really made a difference, you know. And so I have a skin condition, psoriasis, which you know affects your skin cells and your skin. And so dairy and other things, I really realized, you know, why break my body when it's not even necessary to do so, and so. Um, and I was also into a lot of, you know, Buddhist teachings and things like that, that really helped. So, because you know, we don't get into this then, we don't get into this then. Why, where's the issue there? And, and is there any power that can be pulled from being black and being vegan? I'm not saying to a black person, don't eat meat. Just be mindful, you know, what are you eating? Where is it coming from? You know, what difference? Because even one a week versus the whole week, lunch and dinner, you know, it does make a difference. So not only are you looking on the environmental perspective, but I really, I truly believe it's finding what suits you. And so I found that is my lifestyle that I'm very proud of. I don't need somebody to judge me of it just because of my skin color, you know? And I am glad that I'm very confident that I can speak up about it and say, no, like what you choose is what you choose, but um, like you can, eat chicken, I can eat chickpeas, and we still can have these deep conversations. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I feel like it's not a topic that's talked about a lot. And so how would I go about changing it? You know, when people ask me about it, I don't shut them down. I talk to, I talk to them about my experience and my journey. And uh, whatever they take out of it is whatever they take out of it, right? You're taking an approach that not everyone can take in terms of having that conversation, yeah. whether it's we're talking about race or veganism or history. Yeah. I think the first barrier is actually having that conversation and a lot of people aren't comfortable with that in whatever, whatever loop we're talking about, right? So for you to talk about veganism yeah. in a non-aggressive, yes. not overly assertive way, yes. I think that opens up a conversation yeah. for people yeah. because they're not put off. Yes. And so, in some of those cases, whether it's you know in a specific one, or just the general theme, 
what has that been like? You know, have you felt people maybe be standoffish, but then, okay, they linger a little bit more to hear what you're saying? Or what has having a conversation? It's been either somebody will look at me funny, which I'll take, um, or somebody's like, oh, I want to hear more. But one thing I do is I usually try to invite people to my place and I cook for them. I love to cook. And so one of the journeys I realized to really succeed and be healthy as a vegan is knowing what you're eating and knowing what to cook it. And sure, if people give you beans, are you just going to eat beans? No, you're going to spice up the beans. So I invite them, and when I cook for them, they're like, oh my goodness, Maya, this is good. I'm like, you see? Yeah. <laughs> I think that also comes with the way you present yourself as well, yeah. you know what I mean? Like you're yeah. saying, I mean, instead of yeah. being standoff, standoffish, you know, you're kind of welcoming like that. Well, yeah. that remark goes out the window, do you want yeah. to learn? You know yes, what I mean? That, which I think is good. Yeah. People are always shocked when I say, you don't have to be vegan, but here's some alternatives. Maybe once a week, you <laughs> consume the meat. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hmm. But it's also if you show them, um, you know, not just videos, because negativity doesn't teach people very well in the long term. Right, so. So, what do you want to do? What are your next steps? Definitely, what I'm in Canada, I'd love to pursue a law degree. Um, and if not, wherever I end up, I would love to bring so much of the talking and the medical system in my home, just specifically for children with disabilities and mental health. Mm -hmm. Because. Um, I was talking to my actually supervisor here at work and she said, oh Malika, watch this TED talk. And in Zimbabwe, this man is teaching grandmothers how to teach uh, uh, therapy because there's only, I think, 12 or 16 psychologists only in the whole country and it's a big country. And coming here, of course, you know, I might not have talked about it, but mental health was a huge, a huge difficult um, problem for me, you know, with the isolation and just, you know, try to figure out a lot of things and it's cold, you stay inside and, you know, and it's hard. Um, and so home, it's just not talked about a lot. So people just end up shutting down or if they don't shut down, there's no support for them to get back up. Um, so it's not really seen as this detrimental disease that's supposed to, you know, mm -hmm. just crash you, but... With that, yeah. you know, talking about the self-care, because I think, for me, self-advocacy goes hand-in-hand with the self-care. Yes. And I think the more you care for yourself, the more you learn about yourself, the more you want to advocate. And the more you're confident in who you are, the more comfortable you are to advocate for those things. So and I don't, you know, it's, it's tough because I don't want to boil it all down. Yeah. But to a younger self, yeah. is there one message that you want to give? Read more, I feel. Because I feel like when you're young, you just, you know, you want to have fun. And sure, I read, but I only read what I was taught gives you a career not what actually helps you as a person, helps your community, and um, helps you advocate, right? So um, my younger self, if I would come here, I would definitely get in touch more with myself. 
Um, and I, I think at 16 is when I started, you know, getting in touch with myself and it really helped me grow. But I would even do it at a younger age, you know. I feel like the more you get in touch with yourself with self-care and self-confident, you know, by the time you grow up, it doesn't become as difficult. It, it is difficult, but there's better ways that you can get out of those hard times, you know. Um, so I would definitely meditate more. <laughs> yeah. um, and I would talk to older people mm -hmm. more. There's so much wisdom and uh, knowledge to learn from you know, older people and younger people themselves. But hearing your journey and hearing what it was like on your journey is, I think that's the key. Um, I mean, obviously we've known each other beforehand and we've all had conversations, but now our conversations are going to be different. Yeah. Right, we have a better understanding of who you are and where you're coming from and what drives you. Before we be <laughs> today, it's time for your official sign. Hi, my name is Malika Von Kopitz and this is my voice.